0: Otis T. Carr, The Man Who Patented a Saucer by Michael Locke. In the late 1950s, flying saucers had been in the public consciousness for about a decade. The shock of the Arnold sighting and the UFOs over Washington, D.C. had worn off. Saucers, though still mysterious, were now familiar. The government was actively running its third investigation into the reports of unidentified flying objects. Hollywood was incorporating the now iconic saucer craft into films of all budgets. Books had been printed on saucers, and UFO magazines were on newsstands every week. A new culture was being born around the flying saucers and the possibility of alien contact. Many people claimed to have been contacted by extraterrestrials, and some even claimed to have ridden in their crafts. Others maintained that they had been given messages for their fellow Earthlings from the Space Brothers or the Comely Venusians. Out of this environment came Long John Nebel and his Party Line radio show, broadcasting over six days a week on New York's WOR. He often brought together a panel of commentators from a variety of fields to help him interview guests. The paranormal was a common focus and UFOs were a favorite topic. Nebel regularly brought in contactees such as George Van Tassel and researchers such as Ivan T. Sanderson. In April of 1958, Long John Nebel interviewed for the first time Otis T. Carr, the president of OTC Enterprises, who was marketing his own flying saucer. The first unit would cost $20 million delivered, but subsequent units would be able to be produced for $4 million each. Otis T. Carr was not a contactee, nor did he claim that his circular foil spacecraft had any alien technology in its design. Instead, he claimed that he had taken the work of Nikola Tesla, the inventor of radio and proponent of AC power transmission, and developed an entirely new type of propulsion. The Utron electrical accumulator was described by Carr as not a perpetual motion device, but a self-energizing machine that combined electromotive, electromagnetic and gravity forces in a unified field. He told Long John Nebel and his panel that he even corresponded with and was briefly advised by Albert Einstein. The craft would operate in both the vacuum of space and Earth's atmosphere, offering speeds and handling superior to any conventional aircraft. Best of all, occupants would require neither G-suits or spacesuits. The utron powered ship was to be saucer-shaped, and 45 feet in diameter. This size was designed to allow a crew of three to travel in comfort. Thanks to a capacitative plate that would spin counterclockwise while the body of the ship moved in a clockwise direction, Carr maintained that the ship would enjoy near-Earth gravity while in space. The cabin would be pressurized, like a conventional aircraft or submarine. Best of all, he posited that his flying saucer would be able to fly from Earth to the moon in only four to five hours. It would also be able to take longer trips to visit other planets if desired. Although OTC Enterprises had yet to build a working prototype, Carr did bring equipment, models, and various brochures and sales literature to the party line for panel members to examine. Among the materials presented was a Utron electrical accumulator, which was a simple, two piece device. Carr explained that he had sent his materials not only to the Atomic Energy Commission, but also directly to President Eisenhower and other government agencies. He also seemed genuinely surprised that he had not received a single response from any level of government. In 1959, Otis Carr would receive a U.S. patent for his flying saucer, although it was identified as a amusement device. Today... The patent drawing is available on the U.S. Patent Office website under patent number U.S. 002912244. Carr would return to Long John Nebel's show again later in 1958 and in 1959. By then, he claimed to be ready to demonstrate his flying saucer, so Long John took his show on the road to Oklahoma City in April of 1959 to witness the maiden flight of Carr's device. At an amusement park called Frontier City. The liftoff was to be a simple test flight in anticipation of a trip to the moon scheduled for December. Carr was to be the pilot, and Major Wayne Aho, another frequent guest of Long John Nebel, would be co pilot. It was Aho, who had served as a combat intelligence officer in the Army, who would be piloting the ship on its voyage to the moon in December. Although Carr had claimed to see flying saucers on three separate occasions, he was not a contactee. He also stated that when he saw the saucers, he felt that they confirmed his theories, but he did not claim to derive any of his technology from extraterrestrials. Aho, though, was a contactee, who would go on to organize an effort in the late 1970s to convince President Carter to appoint an official U.S. ambassador to space. The craft never flew. In fact, Otis Carr never even showed himself at the amusement park. He had been missing in the days leading up to the launch, but was found in a local hospital by Long John Nebel on the day before the launch. In an interview taped in his hospital room, Carr stated that even though the craft was not fully assembled, he expected that it would be launched as scheduled, barring some unforeseen mechanical or circuit failure, the type of thing he compared to a flat tire. A couple of hours after the ship was supposed to take off, Wayne Aho announced that a misengineered bearing would force the demonstration to be rescheduled. The party line broadcast dedicated to Carr's scheduled maiden flight, which includes both live and taped portions, still survives today. In it, the prototype is described in the broadcast as still being in pieces during a taped visit to the warehouse where it was stored shortly before the scheduled flight. Although Long John Nebel seems to have lost interest in Carr after the canceled demonstration, OTC Enterprises continued to seek investors and maintain that its utron technology was legitimate. Unfortunately, there were those among the law enforcement community that disagreed with this stance. Carr, his Director of Sales and Engineering, Norman Evans Colton, and Wayne Aho all eventually were charged with fraud. Ajo was exonerated, but the others were convicted. After his conviction, Carr faded from the UFO scene and seems to have passed away in the early 1980s in Pennsylvania, although some sources, such as the Project Camelot webpage on their interviews with Ralph Ring, state that he passed away in Nevada in 2005, at which time he would have been approximately 101 years old. In recent years, a man named Ralph Ring has surfaced, claiming to have once been a technician in Otis Carr's employ. He maintained that several models had actually flown and that a 45-foot prototype was also successfully flown. Ring stated that he had, in fact, been part of a three-man crew that made a near-instantaneous journey of 10 miles in the larger aircraft. Unfortunately, government agents came and forced Carr's laboratory to shut down, seizing both research notes and equipment. Despite the fact that no scheduled public launch was ever completed and the convictions given to both Carr and Colton, some still believe that his u powered circular foil craft was an actual technological breakthrough.